God, unlike the unrighteous judge, does not delay in giving justice to those who cry to him day and night. God will give them justice speedily. He's not like an unrighteous, self-centered, self-concerned, self-absorbed judge. I like the way John Piper addresses this. He writes this. So the point of comparison is not that God is an unjust judge, but that he responds with help to those who cry to him day and night. In verse 7, Jesus draws out the lessons which he intends. Always pray and don't lose heart. If you cry to God day and night, if you always pray and don't lose heart, you will not be like Lot's wife. You will not be left in judgment. You will endure in faith and love, and God will vindicate you when the Son of Man comes. Therefore, always pray and don't lose heart. Be persistent. Hang in there. Stay with it. Well, let's see what takeaways we might gain from this passage. I want to offer you two this morning. First, God is more ready to answer than we to pray. God is more ready to answer than we to pray. For example, if you need wisdom, James 1.5 says this, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given. What if you're anxious? 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Cast all your anxieties upon him, for he cares for you. That's similar to Psalm 55, 22, which says, Cast your burden on the Lord, and he will sustain you. And how does one do this? The Apostle Paul tells us in Philippians 4, 6, And do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. God is more ready to answer us than we to pray. The problem is we won't pray. He will provide for us. Matthew chapter 5, verses 25 to 34. You remember that Jesus is speaking about how the birds of the air are provided for and and, and the grass of the field and on and on. And in the end, he says, Seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. And then Luke 11 great passage about how Lord, the Lord wants to answer us and give us guidance. I'm going to start with verse 5, Luke 11, verse 5. And Jesus said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything tell you though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend yet because of his imprudence he will rise and give him whatever he needs thank you for joining us for today's broadcast of a word from the lord today archbishop foley beach brings us his message entitled praying with perseverance here now is our speaker and teacher for a word from the lord archbishop foley beach invite you to open to back up if you don't have it still open Luke chapter 18 verses 1 through 8 and want us to examine this passage together Uh, first is this parable about faith or is this parable about prayer in verse 8 it says when the son of man comes will he find faith on the earth so is it about faith 
But verse 1 he says, he told them a parable to the effect that they ought to always pray and not lose heart. So is it about prayer? Well, actually, I would suggest to you it's about both. And we'll get to that in a little while. During this part of his ministry, Jesus continues to teach his followers about the kingdom of God and about how one day the the Son of Man, as he calls himself, will come again. Jesus has told him, although they didn't understand it at the time, that he would be betrayed, that he would be killed, that he would rise again from the dead. Again and again he mentions about the return of the Son of Man. So here in the midst of this discussion about future things, Jesus speaks of the power of persistent prayer. He wants them to understand that if they're not persistent in prayer, that when he does return, they won't have faith within them. For what is one of the things our prayer does? It builds up and strengthens our faith. So let's look at this text together and start in verse 1. It says, And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. Now it's not often that the explanation of the parable is given up front. Usually we're left wondering, what, what is Jesus talking about? But Jesus is telling this parable to encourage his followers to always pray and not to lose heart. The NIV translates it, Pray and not give up. The King James Version, or the authorized version, says pray and not faint. In other words, don't stop praying. The pressures of life, the circumstances that we find ourselves in, the people that we encounter or have relationships with, the world events at the end of the age as it draws near, and even what we see happening in the larger church can take us to a point where we become Lacks in our prayers. He's telling this parable to encourage believers to not stop praying. The Apostle Paul affirmed this in 1 Thessalonians 5.17 when he said, pray without ceasing. Verse 2, and he said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. Now this is an unrighteous judge. He was not a believer. He didn't fear God and he didn't uh, acknowledge God. He didn't care about people's attitudes or the situations they were in. He, He would have been some kind of corrupt Roman judge that Jesus is referring to. For you see in the Jewish system there would have been three judges. One for the accuser, that is the plaintiff. One for the defense and then one neutral party. But these Roman judges could be bought They had a mind of their own, and they didn't care what people thought, and they sure didn't care what God thought. Now, don't make the mistake of thinking that Jesus is illustrating some kind of trait or comparison to the Father here. Actually, the opposite is true. He's contrasting them, and we'll get to this in a minute. So, we have this unrighteous judge, then in verse 3, and there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. Now to be a widow usually meant she was in poverty or she was destitute. She was having to fend for herself. She didn't have a husband. And she's wanting justice. She obviously had been treated wrongly and she's, her only recourse that she's attempting to, to follow through with is the court. 
and she's getting nowhere. Because this judge has no regard for people and he has no regard for God. Verse 4. For a while he refused. But afterwards he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect him, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her coming, continual coming. She's persistent. She keeps on trying to get an answer. She does not stop. Look at verse 5 again. For while he refused, but afterwards he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. In the Greek language, this uh, beat me down sometimes is translated close the eye or swollen eye. Uh, We would say black eye. That she wouldn't give me a black eye or that she wouldn't beat me down. You get the picture. So he relents and he gives justice to the widow. Her persistence paid off. Now listen to Jesus' comments describing this. Verse 6. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? God, unlike the unrighteous judge, does not delay in giving justice to those who cry to him day and night. God will give them justice speedily. He's not like an unrighteous, self-centered, self-concerned, self-absorbed judge. I like the way John Piper addresses this. He writes this. So the point of comparison is not that God is an unjust judge but that he responds with help to those who cry to him day and night. In verse 7, Jesus draws out the lessons which he intends. Always pray and don't lose heart. If you cry to God day and night, if you always pray and don't lose heart, you will not be like Lot's wife. You will not be left in judgment. You will endure in faith and love, and God will vindicate you when the Son of Man comes. Therefore, always pray And don't lose heart. Be persistent. Hang in there. Stay with it. Well, let's see what takeaways we might gain from this passage. I want to offer you two this morning. First, God is more ready to answer than we to pray. God is more ready to answer than we to pray. For example, if you need wisdom... James 1.5 says this, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given. What if you're anxious? 1 Peter 5.7 says, Cast all your anxieties upon him, for he cares for you. That's similar to Psalm 55.22, which says, Cast your burden on the Lord, and he will sustain you. And how does one do this? The Apostle Paul tells us in Philippians 4, 6, And do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. 
God is more ready to answer us than we to pray. The problem is we won't pray. He will provide for us. Matthew chapter 5, verses 25 to 34. You remember that Jesus is speaking about how the birds of the air are provided for and, and, and the grass of the field and on and on. And then the end he says, seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and the, all these things will be added unto you. And then Luke 11, a great passage about how Lord, the Lord wants to answer us and give us guidance. I'm going to start with verse 5, Luke 11, verse 5. And Jesus said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his imprudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And then Jesus says, and I tell you, ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. If anyone who asks, for everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks, it will be opened. And then this last part just goes on further. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent or a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? God is more ready to give and to answer and we to pray. Always pray and do not lose heart. This also applies to our unsaved friends or family members that we pray for. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, the apostle writes, This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Now this verse tells us that God desires all to be saved and all to come to understand His ways. But what is the good and pleasing in sight of God our favor in this verse when it says this is good and it's pleasing in our sight? Well here's the verse right before it. 1 Timothy 2.1 First of all I urge you that supplications, prayers, intercessions, thanksgivings be made for all people. God is more ready to answer than we to pray. But we have to pray. We have to pray and not lose heart. Sadly, and too often, we wait until we've tried everything else. Right? Well, nothing else has worked. I might as well pray about it. <laughs> well, God desires a relationship with us. And to have such a relationship that prayer is like breathing. It's so natural to talk to Him as to anyone else. Persistent prayer is normal because we're in constant relationship with God. God is more ready to answer us than we to pray. But we don't. Now, I think I need to add here that our Heavenly Father is, is not our Santa Claus of the spiritual realm. He can answer yes. He can answer no. He can answer not yet. 
He's God. He's the Lord. He's sovereign. He has a divine will and purpose. And while he grants us access to his throne room because of the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross, he's still God. He's still Lord. So he can't say no, or he can't say wait. We want him to say yes. So that's the first thing. God is more ready to answer than we to pray. Secondly, regarding the many specific things of which we're concerned with, we must be persistent in our prayers until we have an answer. We must be persistent in our prayers until we have an answer. This widow kept asking. She did not relent. She kept on keeping on until she had an answer. The Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. said this, if you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. But whatever you do, you have to keep moving forward. Persistence. Persistence in our prayers and in our prayer times deepens our faith and our relationship with the Lord. Now you and I are in the instant society. Everything has to happen now. The spiritual life is not like this at all. There are times when our persistence and our not giving up is what it takes. And although God is more willing to answer than we to ask, there are times when that answer may seem slow in coming. Because we're used to everything happening as soon as we turn on our smartphones. Right? God does not always work on our timetable. But we should hang in there till we have his answer. One of the heroes of the faith was an Anglican vicar by the name of Charles Simeon. He had a powerful ministry of the gospel which is still impacting people to this day. In November 1782, Charles Simeon, the new pastor of Holy Trinity in Cambridge, arrived eager to begin his ministry. Yet to his horror, he faced the prospect of preaching to a cold, empty church. The congregation, in protest of his appointment, decided to stay away from the services, locking their pews so that no one else could use the seats. Simeon could either quit his post or have anyone who came to hear him preach stand in the aisle. We see the Enlightenment and the Industrial Revolution had sapped the Church of England of much of its faith and its strength in those days. Church had become a club. Not surprisingly, the parishioners of Holy Trinity had little patience for Simeon's enthusiastic evangelicalism. So, so at his own expense, Simeon purchased pews for the aisles. But the church wardens threw them out into the courtyard. Don't do that. <laughs> and when Simeon held a third service in the evening for the poor who couldn't get out in the day because of the, for the earlier service, the church wardens went one step further and they locked the doors. The hostility was not just in the congregation towards Simeon. Although he was a fellow at King's College, Simeon was derided at the university. He was attacked by students and held in contempt by his peers. Students who did go to his services were mocked as sims, and as a result, they went roundabout ways to get to the church to avoid being noticed. For years, the streets leading to the church were scenes of the most disgraceful tumults, or people who were attending church were either insulted or assaulted. 
Students were warned not to attend Holy Trinity. Don't go to that church. And when that failed, the school arranged for Greek classes in one college for Sunday evenings so that it would prevent students from being able to go hear him preach. Yet despite these trials and his own recurring bouts of ill health, Simeon persevered, staying at Holy Trinity for 54 years until his death in 1836. When in the early days he was essentially locked out of his church and out of people's homes, he saw it in his words, no remedy but faith and patience. The vicar of Holy Trinity knew where to turn in times of trouble, the comfort of God's word and the comfort of prayer. He would often devote the first four hours of the day to private prayer and devotional study of the scriptures. In 1831, 50 years, just about 50 years after he started his ministry there, Simeon's friend, Joseph Gurney, asked him about suffering for Christ's sake. How had Simeon overcome persecution and prejudice over the last 49 years in Cambridge to the extent that he now enjoyed such popularity? The 71-year-old Simeon said this, My dear brother, we must not mind a little suffering. When I'm getting through a hedge, if my head and shoulders are safely through, I can bear the prickling of my legs. Let us rejoice in the remembrance that our holy head has surmounted all his suffering and triumphed over death. Let us follow him patiently. We shall soon be partakers of his victory. What a great man demonstrating this idea of perseverance. Jesus told them this parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. Persevere. Hang in there. Keep on keeping on. For God is faithful and His purposes are exalted. A great exhortation to all of us as we seek to follow Christ in our day. Thank you for listening to A Word from the Lord. I would like to take a few moments and and give you the opportunity to become a believing Christian. I know today we have a lot of folks who go to church and are real religious, but if you were to ask them if they really know Jesus Christ, they wouldn't know what you were talking about. And I don't know if you're one of those people this morning, but if you've never become a believing Christian, I'd like to give you just a simple ABC, not a gimmick, but but just the way it is. A is for acknowledging that you're a sinner. We live in a culture which says, you know, basically we don't make mistakes, but we do. And when we measure up against God's Ten Commandments, um, all of us have fallen short in some way. We've all messed up, and, and that's called sin, and we need to acknowledge that. The B is, is to believe, to believe in Jesus and what He's done on the cross is God's remedy for our sin, is God's solution for being alienated from Him to believe that through Jesus I can be made whole and I can be healed, that I can be forgiven. And the C is for confess. Confess Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. A lot of folks receive Him as their Savior. They want their, what I call, fire insurance, make sure they don't go to hell. But they aren't willing to allow Him to be their Lord, to be the one who uh, is the master of their life. And and to confess that, uh, to be willing to share that with those you love and those you care about, 
that Jesus is your Lord. So it's really that simple. Um, and yet it's that powerful that it makes such an eternal difference. Um, acknowledge that you're a sinner. Believe that Jesus is the solution. And confess that Jesus is your Lord. I invite you to stop what you're doing right now and, and say a simple prayer. Uh, confess your sin to him. Tell him you believe in him. And then begin to confess him as your Savior, Lord. If you've done that, I encourage you to uh, let me know. I'd like to send you some materials so, to help you grow in your Christian faith. It's, it's like becoming a, a baby all over again, and there's some things you need to know, some, some things you need to learn in order to walk with God. Faith comes from hearing, and hearing from the Word of Christ. Please visit us online at awftl.org.